1: address the next chapter in the never-ending saga of Kristen Smart. It's been 27 years. The story is far from over. It's an important chapter. It's an important turning point. Paul Flores, who had been convicted earlier, was sentenced on Friday to 25 years to life in prison. We're going to break that down over three different segments. After the next break, we're going to be joined by District Attorney Dan Dow, who oversaw the prosecution of Paul Flores. At 5.05, we're going to hear from Chris Lambert, the podcaster who has, has earned the gratitude of a community for the work that he has done. On this case. And then after that, uh, we'll be joined by Matthew Smart, Kristen's brother. I'm sure that he has a lot to say as well. Last night they had the Oscars, and I watched it. And the big uh, movie was uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once. And some of you don't like it, some of you don't get it. I can't claim that I get it. Oh, it's too confusing and it's multiverse this and multiverse that. But when you peel it all the way, that movie is about a mother and the love she has for her daughter. And so with the news out of Salinas on Friday, I've been thinking a lot about Denise Smart. And I've been thinking a lot about how we in this community Treated the smart family. I'd have to look in the book to find out the first time Denise came on my show. I want to say it was in the late 90s. Kristen disappeared in May of 1996. And Denise would come down on a regular basis because she was trying to find out what happened to her daughter. And she would sit in the studio and talk to me off air. And there was a time when Denise had to wonder whether or not anybody really cared. She'd go to Cal Poly and uh, they would meet with her and they'd be nice and concerned. But she always had the feeling that they just as soon she went away. That the whole case would go away. But if you know Denise, if you've had the pleasure of meeting her, you know that's the last thing that she would have done. So for 27 years, multiple times a year, Denise has come to San Luis Obispo just looking for answers. And for the longest time, she got nowhere. But she kept coming. And this this it, to me is such a bittersweet moment. Yes, Paul Flores is off to jail for a very long time. Personally, I don't think it can be long enough. But we still don't know what happened to Kristen. That's why it's only a partial victory. And no one can explain why it has taken twenty-seven years to get this far. I've been in this town 35 years. I've been here half my life. I love San Luis Obispo. I love the Central Coast. But the way we responded to this case will always be a black eye in the history of this town. How we handled that case is just a collective we. It's just bungling, heartbreaking, inexcusable. And one of the few silver linings for me, other than the conviction of Flores, is the fact that this community eventually turned around and welcomed the smart family with open arms. I've seen it. There's a group of people down in Shell Beach that have made the smart family members of their own family. And whenever the smarts come down, they stay in Shell Beach. And they feel love and support there. They see that people are caring because of Facebook and other social media. People from around the world have spoken up and reached out to the smarts and supported them. And it's like night and day between 1998 and 2023. And I am very grateful to see that change. I think a lot of that credit will go to my 5 o'clock guest, Mr. Lambert, who is, um, he likes to avoid the spotlight And Chris does not like the attention put on him. But there is no doubt that once Chris became involved with the podcast, it put the case back in the spotlight. And Chris did the research and the legwork and asked the questions that needed to be asked. And... I think we should all be very, very proud of the work that Chris has done. In addition to the law enforcement and Sheriff Parkinson and District Attorney Dow, they weren't around. They weren't in office back in the 90s. They were not involved with this initial bungling. They get a lot of credit, too. But I, I give so much credit to Chris Lambert, just an ordinary guy, who refused to let the story go. And I'm grateful that I have lived long enough to see this community support the Smart family, but particularly Denise Smart. Because there was a time when Denise thought that nobody cared. I hope that just because we have the good news of a long sentence that we don't forget Kristen. And we don't forget what happened here. Law enforcement seems to have uh, moved ahead leaps and bounds. And I suspect that if this were it happen again today, that they would have moved faster. I, think, I keep thinking about uh, Rex Allen Krebs. And he murdered two women, and he has been spending all this time in prison. Paul Flores has been basically free for 25 years, and we heard the stories out of Los Angeles of the other women who have been scarred because of what he allegedly did to them. And I use allegedly generously. So the mistakes we made up here back in 1996 and 1997 had Far-reaching consequences, not just in this community, but other women were affected as well. So I have um, I've held back on reaching out to Denise, because I just imagine that she and Stan have really been overwhelmed. And I, I, I saw that in the photos from Salinas. They were there on Friday to give the impact statements and what the last 27 years have done to them. I told Chris, I, I, I can't imagine what they have gone through. But I hope that the smarts will continue coming to Shell Beach and continue to know how much they are loved and embraced by so many people here on the Central Coast. And I just wish it had happened sooner. So with that in mind, we want to hear from Dan Dow. We want to hear from Chris Lambert. We want to hear from Matthew Smart. I'm Dave Congleton. This is Hometown Radio for the Central Coast. It is the Dave Congleton Show, where we are pleased to welcome in conversation our District Attorney Dan Dow joins us now. Dan, good afternoon.
0: Good afternoon, Dave. Thank you for having me.
1: Thanks for joining us. I just want to start off with a general question. What was your reaction to the sentencing on Friday? How do you and your team feel?
0: Uh, We feel very gratified that we've finally uh, gotten to this point to hold Paul Flores accountable, not just by a verdict, but a judge issuing a sentence. Um, That brings finality at least to this uh, criminal and victim justice system process. Um, of course, now where our hopes are um, forevermore that we might be able to still find where she's buried so that the family can receive her remains and properly bury her.
1: I've heard from a lot of people, Dan, about the sentence. There seems to be some confusion. The judge sentenced Paul Flores 25 years to life. Can you explain to the layperson what exactly that mm-hmm. means?
0: Absolutely. Thank you, Dave. Um, California law is very complicated and not intuitive, so I appreciate the question. Um, with first degree murder and without any other allegations uh, charged, the only sentence that someone can be can receive is uh, 25 years to life in state prison. Under California for law, before realignment, a 25 year to life sentence would mean that you'd spend every day of 25 years before being given a chance for parole. With realignment and the criminal and victim justice system reforms that have been happening over the last 12 years, um, that now is no longer the case. People are receiving credits um, on murder. Um, And so we don't know, we can't say with any certainty how soon Paul might be eligible for a parole hearing before the 25 years is up.
1: And I would just, I don't mean to make the comparison, but just as an example, Sirhan Sirhan is eligible for parole, and he comes up for parole, but he's denied every time. The point being, Dan, that simply because you're eligible for parole doesn't mean you're going to get it.
0: That's absolutely right, and there's a hearing process. The district attorney's office is allowed an opportunity to participate at the, what they call a for a hearing or parole hearing. Um, we still have um, representatives show up to those hearings for anyone's case that came out of our county. So, you know, recently I'm sure, um, you know, people like you have followed the fact that we have um, – have done so the destiny myers uh, case is not the one there yet i'm sorry elise paler who was murdered brutally um we've been appearing at all the parole lifer hearings for those responsible for murdering her um and so we go and we have an opportunity to present a case as to why the person should not be released um ultimately it's up to the parole commissioners to make a decision and if we uh disagree with their decision to let them out then we can and most situations write a letter to the governor asking the governor to overturn the decision by the parole board and we have done so on several occasions Um, once or twice the governor has um, granted our request sometimes he has not Um,
1: uh, uh, several people also asked me do we know which prison paul flores is going to be spending time in
0: no, that will be determined by the Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation once he is in-processed um, at one of the facilities where they do in-processing. They'll, they'll classify him as they do all prisoners, and they will determine where they think is the uh, most appropriate place to house him.
1: So where is he now?
0: My understanding is he's awaiting transport to the department. I believe he's still with the San Luis Obispo County Jail. Um, the paperwork from the court has to be uh, finalized. There needs to be an entire packet, basically a prison packet. Um, all of that documentation gets prepared, given to the uh, sheriff's office. Then they transport the prisoner along with the paperwork for in processing at CDCR that can take days it can take weeks um, in big cases where the paperwork is complicated it could take longer conceivably I, I would have a um, you know, good reason to believe that they're going to do everything they can to um, you know to get that done as quickly and as accurately as possible
1: is there a basis do you, do you expect the defense attorney to appeal?
0: You know, in, in every murder case, we expect a defendant to appeal. It's not the same attorney that represented them, uh, because one of the issues often raised by a defendant in an appeal to a conviction is that their attorney made some mistakes, perhaps was ineffective. And so because of those um, issues, um, they will obtain, if they can't afford their own appellate attorney, one will be appointed by the appellate court. And I would assume that that Mr. Flores will will want to appeal, but that's just an assumption on my part given the seriousness of what he's been convicted of.
1: We're in conversation with District Attorney Dan Dow getting his reaction to the sentencing of Paul Flores last Friday to 25 years to life. I believe it was on Facebook, Dan, but somewhere you have publicly called on Paul Flores, Ruben Flores and uh, Susan Flores to reveal their whereabouts of Kristen's remains.
0: That's right. You know, um, they've no amount of Sentence is enough to bring true justice for for Kristen and her family, and so um, the family desperately wants to be able to receive her remains and to give her a decent burial, and and um, that's what it will take for true justice to be accomplished. And so, um, I firmly believe that uh, that the Paul Flores, his and uh, Susan Flores, and Ruben Flores um, have reason to know where they took the remains after she was exhumed from the property, and. Uh, and I conclude that from the evidence that was presented in court. Um, and so I would call upon them to, um, do the right thing for them to, uh, come forward. Uh, certainly they can do so without, without, uh, fear, considering that Paul has already been convicted and Ruben's case, uh, was acquitted. Um, it would be in their best interest, I believe, because they have to be sitting with the knowledge of, of where she is and what happened, um, I would plead with them to please come forward uh, do the right thing for the smart family.
1: You may not want to answer this but I'll ask it anyway. At any point was there a deal offered to Paul in exchange
0: for revealing the whereabouts? Dave it's a great question but um, we we have a policy and it's pretty consistent I think with other DA's offices as well to not comment on plea negotiations. They're always kept confidential and the reason for that is that we want negotiations um, of any kind of disposition, not just something as significant as this, but we want the communication channel to be um, protected so that it um, hopefully promotes, um, you know, good faith in terms of negotiating. And so we don't comment on that. I know that there were some comments made at the sentencing um, by some individuals, and there has been, I think, some reporting on... um, on what people believed had happened under prior administrations. But uh, for good reason, we always want any kind of negotiation between a defendant, their attorney, and the district attorney's office to remain uh, confidential.
1: So what I'm hearing, though, Dan, is that hypothetically that negotiation could come down the road, hypothetically, a year from now.
0: Well, let me tell you, there was a case, Hans Reiser was convicted of of homicide in Alameda County about 12 years ago. It was a no-body homicide. The defendant, who was the husband, um, after being convicted of first-degree murder, after taking the witness stand, denying that he had anything to do with it, um, once he was convicted and sentenced uh, for 25 years to life, uh, he came forward and asked to meet with the prosecutor and the investigator. Um, and... They were able to, even after the conviction in court were able to um, to reduce his sentence in exchange for him directing uh, the people to the body of the wife that he had murdered and of course, that was um, very well received by the family and the community because it truly brought better closure um, for them, knowing where she was able to retrieve her body and and to bury her. So it has happened. There is precedent in California for it. Um, And I would just say it would be, um, in my view, about the only thing that could potentially uh, release the Flores family from what I would believe would be a psychological hell that they've had to go through knowing, um, you know, where Kristen's been, Carried.
1: Speaking of the family, the father, of course, Ruben, was found not guilty. Any thought about retrying him, Dan?
0: There is, uh, It would be prohibited. Once once a person has been acquitted for uh, a crime, uh, they cannot be tried again under the Constitution, double jeopardy um, clause. So had the jury been hung, not able to reach a decision, there could have been a retrial. I but see. Um, right. as to Ruben, it's it's completed.
1: And what about the case down in L.A.? Paul Flores has uh, been accused of multiple rapes and assaults by various women. Uh, is that is that off the table?
0: The uh, My understanding is the L.A. County District Attorney's Office has um, concluded their review. Um, I, my understanding is that they've communicated that they are not going forward, um, but that again, that decision lies squarely with them um, our office had obtained approval to go forward on i believe it was uh, one or two of those cases um, concurrently with our homicide prosecution however um, the judge did not approve of that request um, back up you know in 2021 when we filed the case so judge in san luis obispo county did not allow us to prosecute those cases and said that it needed to stay in los angeles
1: dan i got about two minutes left i'm curious you you came on board as district attorney and you inherited this case i'd like you to kind of take a minute and talk about the work that you and your office did in rising up to the occasion
0: here well as even before coming into office, of course, I was very familiar with the case, and um, it was a very important one for my predecessor, Mr. Shea, and, and all of those that had been in this office and in law enforcement. Um, and I, w- I ensured that I was briefed immediately upon taking office on the case. And um, I committed early on to have some uh, additional attorney resources assigned to help with um an eye towards what is needed in order to eventually prosecute the case so um, over the course of my tenure I had assigned at least three separate prosecutors um, for periods of time to work with the investigative team and I can just tell you that uh, there was incredible mountains of evidence that had to be poured through you know um, and uh, there had been hundreds of people that had worked on the case over that many years Um, and it was a team effort that it happened to culminate while I'm the DA, um, but I have to give credit to the many women and men of the Sheriff's Office, of the District Attorney's Bureau of Investigations, the FBI, and other agencies that worked so hard for so long. Um, and, of course, we're grateful that uh, Mr. Lambert came along with his uh, podcast, which continued to renew and, and motivate interest to, in following the case. But um, there's been uh, a a huge amount of effort that has gone into this and resources, and I can just tell you that um, it feels wonderful to know that we were able to get to a point where we had enough evidence to go forward and um, have a successful prosecution. And uh, it's it's still a bit surreal, Um, and uh, we're just so grateful to so many.
1: Uh, Dan Dow, we're grateful for your time. Thank you very much for joining us this afternoon. Thank you, Dave. All right, off we go. We've got news and traffic and weather. Chris Lambert up next, followed by Matthew Smart. This is Hometown Radio.